Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor Gillian Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Matthew 21, Matthew 21 verse 33 says this. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them more than the first time, and the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come, let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied, and he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give him his share of the crop at harvest time. Verse 43, Therefore, Jesus said, I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people who will produce its fruit. Amen. Thank you, Shahan. Thank you. Wasn't the band amazing tonight? So good. Listen to this parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard. A landowner who planted a vineyard. You know, in this room tonight, does anybody here know somebody who always gets a prophecy? It's like, what is with that person? Like every time that they turn up to a youth meeting or to a camp or to a conference or to church, it's like they are the ones with this homing beacon prophesy over me. Uh, if you don't know, a prophecy is like a word God gives that speaks to your potential future. So somebody on the platform might get stopped in their tracks and might just speak something over somebody saying, this is what I think God is saying to you. Now we have a joke that perhaps people who always get prophetic words, they, and they come ready and wanting to receive one, that they have a prophecy shirt, a very brightly colored article of clothing that they put on and they try to sit up the front, you know, which is why the front seats are hotly contested for, because if, like me, I'm short-sighted, you're really out of luck right up the back, unless you've got your prophecy shirt on. So I can see the guy in yellow up there. You, you could get a prophecy, and the girl in orange. You guys... You guys are standing out tonight, and I can see a blue shirt, and then not much else. But I can see you there, and you're looking great. You're looking great. But the truth is that we have the saying that maybe you're wearing a prophecy shirt, that homing beacon, and you just can't help it but get prophecies. Is anyone in this room sort of like, I've just never had a prophecy? Sometimes you're like, God, don't you see me? You know, like, hello, <laughs> what do you think of me, God? Uh, well, the truth is that until quite a lot later, when I was a lot older, well, you know, at least 25 or so, which feels quite old, up until that time, I hadn't had really any prophetic words except for one. Now, this prophetic word was a stunner. 
This one was the most amazing prophetic word. It just left me longing for more. So I had this person in a meeting and they just came and they prophesied over me and they said, the Lord says, you will bear much fruit, lasting fruit. And I'm like, and? (laughs) They just said it again. You will bear much fruit, lasting fruit. And I thought, so am I going to travel the world? Am I going to write things that people are going to read? Will I be on television? Will anybody know my name? Will people care when I die? What else, Lord? Fruit. Woo, yeah. Feeling that. Woo, feeling fruity. I thought maybe it was like, you know, a hangover when I was a school prefect. And I don't know why, but for some reason... Every time we had a sporting event or a social event, our year of prefects had decided that fruit was the theme. And I had to dress up as a strawberry every time. And I'm like, Lord, is it because I was dressed up as a strawberry? But maybe the Lord never wanted me to forget that actually we are called to bear fruit. And every person in this room tonight, every person in this room is called to bear fruit. See, that prophecy, whilst hopefully accurate for my life, is abundantly accurate for every single person in this room. God has called us all to be a fruit bearer. And whilst that prophecy at the time was a puzzle to me, as I matured in my faith, I began to understand it was one of the greatest words I could have ever been given in my life, because that is the goal. That is the goal that Jesus has for our life. That is the goal that we would understand we are here for a purpose and that purpose is to bear fruit. The first thing I wanna say is the kingdom of heaven is like a vineyard. The kingdom of heaven is like a vineyard. Now, Jesus told this parable three times. Well, He told it in a format three times, talking about the kingdom of heaven like a vineyard. This parable was repeated in all three gospels. So also our other parables, Jesus wanted to make it abundantly clear that we would understand we are planted in God's vineyard. Say to the person next to you, you are in God's vineyard. You are in God's vineyard. See, Matthew 20, 21 says this, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Our Father in heaven has gone out to hire workers for his vineyard. Matthew 21, 28, another parable. There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. He wanted both sons to go and work in the vineyard. In that parable, one of the sons said, nah, I'm not gonna go to work in the vineyard. But then he changed his mind and he went and worked in the vineyard. And the other son said, oh, sure, dad, I'll go work in the vineyard. And then he didn't work in the vineyard. And Jesus is asking, which one did what God wanted? And it was actually the one that went and worked in the vineyard. See, Jesus wants us to understand that the kingdom of heaven is like a vineyard and we are called to go and work in it. What we do for God is likened to working in a vineyard and God is our heavenly father who is likened to the land owner. He owns the vineyard. He owns the place where you're planted. He owns the place where you work. He is the owner, my friends, of your life. He is the owner, my friends, of your body, whether you believe it or not. We are the tenants. 
God has things He is wanting us to do. We've been commanded to go and bear fruit. John 15, Jesus says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. I have appointed you to go and bear fruit. It is part of the goal of this life that we would bear fruit. The vineyard tonight is your place of planting. What is your field of endeavor? Where are you placed? That is the vineyard that God has placed you in to bring forth a harvest. So you might be like, what are you talking about? Well, obviously you're here at Arise Church. That's part of your vineyard. You have a home with your family. That's part of your vineyard. You either go to school, work, or uni. That's part of your vineyard. You go out and work. That's part of your vineyard. Wherever you dwell is a place that God expects you to bear a harvest from. See, what we do here on earth is compared to living and working in a vineyard. In this parable of the tenants, where we see the landowner has set up the vineyard, then he has let it out to tenants. In this parable, the landowner God planted the vineyard. He set about creating the vineyard. He put the trees in the ground. He was the one who created an environment for fruitfulness. In our lives, God gives us everything we need to be fruitful. He has created an environment in our lives for us to bear fruit. See, we can't turn up at the judgment seat and say, I couldn't do it, I didn't have what I needed because God's saying, no, I'm sorry, but I've actually given you everything you need to bear fruit and it's up to you whether you go to work in my vineyard. See, number two is what we have here on earth is on loan, it's rented. What we have here on earth is on loan. My friends, it's all rented. I'm so glad it's rented. I'm so glad it's on loan. You know, I, as I mentioned before, I'm not a very good dancer. I'm very uncoordinated. I have been known to fall into fountains face first. In fact, the hotel I went back to just this week has actually changed the fountain now. They have put white stones instead of the black stones that were in there for people such as me. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that this is rented because that coordination is coming. But for those of us who are much more talented than I, it's also important to remember it's on loan. Those talents are on loan. See, everything we have is on loan. What did God give these tenants? What did God place in the vineyard? Well, first of all, He planted the grapes so they would be able to have a harvest. The second thing we see is that He built a wall. He put a wall around the vineyard. The wall speaks about the fact that the plants, the things that God had planted would be secure from a storm. They would be sheltered from the storm. They would also be a place of defense from an attack. See, God has given us talents, but He's also surrounded us with the wall of His presence. He's also protected us from storms. I will be with you. Jesus says, peace to the storm. It doesn't matter what we go through in this life. It won't stop the harvest coming out because God has placed a wall of protection around us. It says, that the, the landowner, God himself, dug a wine press. He dug a wine press. He made a way for the fruit to be harvested and stored. He made a way for the fruit to have an impact. And in our lives, he's created a way. What is a wine press in your life? My friends, it's your gifts. See, God has given the tenants gifts, and the wine press is your gift and your talent that you would take what he's giving you to bring a harvest out of it. See, that wine press in your life, that gift, that talent that you've been given is there so the harvest wouldn't go to waste, 
but would become richer, would become more abundant, would become more useful as we take the grapes and crush them, that new wine would come out. That's something of great benefit, something of great richness, something of great fragrance would come out of the service of our lives as we use the gift God has given us, the wine press. And then he built a watchtower. He put a watchtower in the vineyard. What was that for? Well, it speaks of the fact that not only had he protected them, not only had he given them a way to make the fruit in their lives productive and effective, he had also provided a place of vision that they wouldn't lose sight of the reason they were there in the vineyard, that they were to look for the master's arrival, they were to look for the landowner's coming, they were to wait and be eagerly expecting his return. The watchtower was there, Habakkuk says, I'll stand on the ramparts of the tower and I'll, I'll write down the vision. They had a place of vision, they could look out. In our lives, God has given us vision. He wants us to keep vision alive in our hearts that when we're using our gifts, we wouldn't just stay in the pit of the wine press and just get busy doing, but we would continue to keep Him as our central focus to look for His coming as the purpose of what we are pressing and what we are doing. It was a place where they could see ahead. And then the landowner, after he had planted the vineyard, put up a wall, put in the wine press and built a watchtower, The parable says that he then rented it out. He prepared everything. He built everything and then he rented it out. He gave and trusted the vineyard to tenants. Now this is where it gets real for us. God doesn't stay in our lives and micromanage what he's given to us. See, in the parable of the talents, the master came and gave it and he went away. In this parable of the landowner, the master got everything ready, gave them everything, and what did he do? He went away. And every time God gives us everything He needs, He doesn't stay and micromanage our lives. See, some of us are like, but God didn't say that. And oh, God didn't turn up and tell me to do that. My friends, He's put it right in front of us. He's put it in our hands and He expects us to get busy using what He has given us to produce a return. And He will come back and He expects us to give something back. See, in our lives, sometimes we're waiting on God to tell us what's next, but He's not micromanaging, and that's part of the wonder of God. That's part of the beauty of God, that He has given us an entrustment. See, every person in this room tonight, it doesn't matter how old or how young, God has entrusted us with something, something precious, something powerful, something fragile, something beautiful, something that can bring forth new wine new wine that doesn't just enrich our lives, but enriches the lives of every person around us. New wine, something that only you can produce. You know, there are so many wines, so many vintages, so many different types of wine. Well, same with what we can produce in our lives. God has a delicate fragrance, a delicate aroma of what He wants to bring out and overflow through our lives. We are like the tenants and we have an entrustment. God is wanting and expecting us to do something with His vineyard. He wants us to do something. What gifts has God given you? What might be He be expecting that you would be pressing in your wine press? What wine might He be expecting you to produce to overflow, to bless many around you? Number three, we can lose sight of why we have gifts and who they are for. We can lose sight of why we have gifts and who they are for. See, Jesus has given us everything we need to be productive and effective. He's actually handed it to us and then he's waiting 
for a return. Oops, I just lost an earring, excuse me. <laughs> I just fell right off. I might as well take off the other one. <laughs> it's never good to have one earring on and one off, eh? So somewhere, somewhere there's a butterfly. Don't worry about that. I'm now earringless, but that's okay. <laughs> ah. The fruit produced by the tenants belonged to who? The landowner. But who did the tenants start thinking the fruit belonged to? See, they were doing the work. My friends, you're busy doing all the work. You're doing the hard work. You're going out to that business and earning that income. You're doing the hard work of teaching. You're doing the hard work of nursing. You're doing the hard work of adding the numbers and making the budgets work. You're doing the hard work of helping in the youth ministry. You're doing the hard work of helping to serve people's needs. But does the fruit belong to us when we do the work? Oh no, it's all on loan. It's all rented. We're the tenants. We're the tenants. See, sometimes we start to put our eyes on the gain of what we get with the gifts and entrustment. We start to take it for ourselves rather than be willing to give it as a return. The fruit that was produced by the tenants belonged to the landowner, but in, in time they lost sight of whose fruit it was and who it belonged to, and they wanted it for themselves. So when the landowner sends back the servants to collect the fruit, what happened? There's God. Hey, they've been busy working in my vineyard. Everything I've given to them, they've been able to benefit from it. God wasn't saying you can't have anything out of this vineyard. They've been able to benefit from it. It's produced a living and a livelihood. But then he says, now you've got to give me my return. But when he comes, when he sends his servants, they kill them. They kill them because they'd lost sight of whose vineyard it was. The same thing can be true of us. We can have a gift. We can have a talent but we can start using it to benefit ourselves and gain from it rather than being willing to give the glory back to God. See, every gift God gives us, we can actually claim as ours. <laughs> we can say, oh, I'm just that good, or we can actually give the glory back to God. See, why is it so powerful when athletes, uh, they score a try or they uh, do something amazing and then they just point up to heaven like that? They're acknowledging God. Why is it so powerful? Every television camera zooms in on it, people comment on it, do you know why? Because they're not saying this talent is for my glory. They're saying, I'm actually, the minute I do something good with my talent, I'm giving glory to God. That is not a worthless gesture. That has great meaning and brings glory to God. You know, I think that's tremendous. How good was Bowden Barrett? I wish he was pointing the finger last night. I, mean, I reckon he almost had six tries, didn't he? The poor guy, but he got four. He did very well. Good old BB. He did so good. Amazing. But you know, it matters, doesn't it, who we give the glory to? It matters what we're willing to give back to God. And the tenants wanted to benefit from it themselves. Our efforts can become our idol. See, the tenants had lost sight of who they were serving. They'd lost sight of what they were worshiping. And rather than worshiping the landowner, serving the master, they started to worship the vineyard. They started to make the vineyard and its fruit their idol and they wanted to keep it to themselves. See, whenever we're benefiting from our gifts, sometimes we start to worship our gifts and our talents and we benefit from them rather than saying, hey, it's all from God and I want Him to get the glory from what I'm doing. You know, they wanted the ownership and possession, but they didn't understand true fulfillment is found in giving it back to God. Number four, we can use what God gave us to reject Him. We can use what God gave us to reject Him. 
To me, this is one of the saddest things and the worst thing the tenants did that revealed their loss of the sight of God and their worship was that they used what he had given them to reject his involvement and input in their lives. The very things he had given them to be productive and effective and fertile and produce a great return, rather than keeping on bringing him in, they used those things to keep him out. The wall that he'd built for their security and their shelter, the wall to protect them, they then used as a defense mechanism to keep him out. The watchtower that was there to await his arriving, they used to get ready to defend against him turning up. The things that God had given them, they used against him to keep him out. See, the gifts that God gives us are not to keep God out of our world, but to bring Christ in. The gifts God gives us are there to bring God into the world. See, if you've been given a creative gift tonight of writing or singing or dancing or, uh, you know, whatever it might be, painting, design, building, architecture, every creative gift God gives us so that God would enter into our world, not that we would keep Him out of it. In our business, in our nursing, in every endeavor that God would place us, in our accounting, whatever our field of planting, whatever our vineyard, Are we using our gifts to bring God into the world or to keep Him out? See, we can choose to shut Him out by what He has given us. We can rely on our own self. And when we start to be independent and focused on self, we are shutting the master out of our vineyard. A creative gift is meant to bring God into the world. See, Rick Warren says, life is a test, a trust, and a temporary assignment. A test, a trust, and a temporary assignment. We're tenants. This is rented. Pinch yourself, say, I'm rented. (laughs) Your body is rented. See, your body's gonna be transformed in an instant. This body's not going with you to heaven. Naked I came from my mother's womb. Did you come out with clothes? Did you come out with an FPOS card? Did you come out with a house? No, naked I came into the world. Naked I will depart. I mean, you might have some clothes on you in your coffin, very nice, but you're not gonna go to heaven with those. But in an instant, at the sound of the trumpet, in a flash, we will be transformed in our our bodies. We will be throwing off this old husk, this old shell, and we'll be given a heavenly body transformed into His likeness, revealing His glory. Oh, my friends, we're tenants. Oh, let's not lose sight of the fact that the wine press is His. The vineyard is His. What He has given us is His. It's on loan and He is expecting a return. He's gonna turn up, my friends. He's not staying around to micromanage that we keep giving Him back the glory, that we keep making our lives about Him. See, He's not micromanaging, He's expecting. I mean, Jesus told this parable three times throughout the Gospels. This parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. The kingdom of heaven is like a vineyard. He wanted us to be very clear. He's given us things and He expects us to bear fruit. See, number five, God, sorry, number six, God expects fruit. God expects fruit. The goal of your life is fruit. The goal of your life is doing the will of God, which will be a fruit. Not doing our will, not doing what we want, but doing the will of God will be a fruit. See, God has expectations of the tenants. He had expectations, he came back. He's like, okay, where's my grapes? I've come to bring my grapes. And obviously how they treated God was pretty shocking. They basically killed God in their lives. They shut him out and they killed him. And we can do that. 
We can decide, hey, this Christian thing is all just made up. It's just this. We start to lose our faith when we want it to be all for us and we're not willing to surrender anymore. See, once we stop surrendering, we start having to kill God to, to keep living that way, living independent. We can only kill God in our minds. Working in the vineyard is never gonna be easy, but God has expectations. See, working in the vineyard, it's not always gonna be enjoyable. When God came and said, go work in my vineyard, one of the sons was like, nah. Well, actually, both of them like, eh. I don't wanna go to work in the vineyard. Who wants to go and work in a vineyard? It's hard work. Under the hot sun, toiling away. They don't have party music. No CD players. They can't rap while they're doing it. It's hard toil, that's not much fun. And sometimes serving God is a little bit like that. It's not all getting the grapes and drinking the wine. It's actually going out and planting and toiling and harvesting and doing the hard work under the hot sun. But we will reap a benefit. But the benefit is not just for us. You know, working in the vineyard isn't always gonna be easy. And God has never intended that it would be easy, but He's intended that we would bear fruit, that we would persevere. We cannot be the only benefactors of the gifts that God has given us. See, we cannot live for our gain. We've got to live for the goal, the goal of serving Jesus Christ. 1 John 2, 15 says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. The tenants love the vineyard, not the one who gave it to them. See, the praise of the world, the fame of the world, the accolades of the world, the boasting of what he has and what he does comes from the world. But the man who does the will of God will live forever. Is the will of God our goal? We've got to live for the goal. We've got to live for the goal. See, there's a story that's told. It's kind of like a modern parable. I'm not sure if you've heard it or not. But it's a story about a lighthouse. And there was this lighthouse that was built on this treacherous uh, piece of um, passage in the sea. Uh, it was a quite a narrow crossing and lots of boats got shipwrecked on the rocks there. And so this community decided, let's build a lighthouse so that we can warn the sailors coming through at night that there's rocks and it's hazardous and we can help steer their course. So they built this lighthouse and sure enough, many, many boats were getting shipwrecked. And so then the lighthouse people, they would go down and they would rescue the people out of the sea. They would pull the people who were shipwrecked out of the sea and they would bring them into the lighthouse. They would bring them in the lighthouse. They would put a blanket on them because these people were freezing cold and dripping wet coming out of the perilous sea. And they would comfort them. They would make them hot chocolates. Oh, it sounds good. They would put lots of marshmallows in and they put chocolate on top. And they brought out their hot chocolate and they would comfort them. The people that were rescued we're so grateful. They knew that their lives would have been over if those people in the lighthouse hadn't been there to pull them up out of the sea. So they were so grateful. And over time, the people that had been shipwrecked and rescued, they started to wanna give something back to the people in the lighthouse. And so they would write checks and send checks and they would give gifts of money. And they began to send this gift to the lighthouse saying, thank you, thank you for saving me. Thank you for rescuing me. Thank you for looking after me. And they wrote and gave them gifts. Now this lighthouse had a little uh, company of leaders and they gathered together and they're like, oh, we're getting all these donations because we've been rescuing people. What are we going to do with this money? What are we gonna do with these gifts? And so they took a vote and they decided, well, let's make our lighthouse nice and cozy for people because they come out of the sea and they're freezing cold. Let's put down carpet. And so they laid down carpet in the lighthouse. 
And so then the next time they went to pull people out of the sea, they were bringing them back into the lighthouse and then they thought, oh, but they're gonna drip all over the carpet. They're gonna drip all over the carpet. And so instead of bringing them in where it was cozy and warm, they kept them in the coat room and kept them out there feeding them hot chocolates in the coat room. See, they started to like the pretty lighthouse more than they liked what they were there to do. Slowly over time, as they began to get gain, as they began to get benefit, as they began to receive a harvest from what they had, the gifts they had, they started to focus on the gain and not the goal. They stopped seeing they were there to save lives and rescue people. The real fruit of their endeavour was to rescue those poor wretches out of the sea. And they started focusing on, we have gotta keep the carpet clean, but we can be the same. We can do that. We can start with good intentions. We can start focused on what God has given us. We can use our gifts for Him. And then before we know it, before we know it, our goal has been lost sight of as we're focusing on what we're receiving rather than what we're there to do. We're tenants. We're tenants. And we're here to bring back fruit. This is not a drill. God has expectations that we will bring back fruit. See, Adam and Eve... In the very beginning, we're placed where? A garden. You could say a vineyard. Adam and Eve placed in a garden. See, right from the very beginning, God always wanted us to be very aware that we were to toil the soil. We were to get busy working. It wasn't all laid out on a platter. See, when we come to church, it's not meant to be us just picking off the platter. We're meant to be the ones putting it on the platter. Yeah, And so Adam was there working hard and he was to understand that seed time and harvest and stewardship and returning it to the earth and investment would bring forth the gain. And that as he stayed focused through the seasons that God would return to him a harvest in season. We were always meant to remember that there was a harvest to come from the soil, that we were there to bear fruit. But you know, the temptation always comes around the fruit. The question is, what will we do with the fruit? See, because Adam and Eve, their temptation was to eat the fruit. Will you eat this fruit? They decided yes. These tenants, the temptation was around the fruit. And rather than give it back to God, they wanted to eat it for themselves. They wanted to keep it for themselves. And in our lives, the temptation will be not necessarily to get busy and do the work, but to actually take what God's given us and use it to benefit ourselves rather than keep the landowner in mind. Let's not let the things God's given us become the things that we worship. Let's keep our worship focused on the one true God and be willing to give back to Him what belongs to Him. It doesn't belong to us anyway, does it? Because when the Master returns, what will happen if we're trying to keep it for ourselves? What will happen if we're trying to keep this fruit to ourselves and use it for our gain? The Bible says it will be taken away and given to the one who will produce His fruit. Same with the talents. Seems like God is such a hard taskmaster. How could He take away from the poor fellow who had less and take away the little he had? God's making a point that He expects us to bear fruit. He's given us something that we would get busy doing the work of bringing in the harvest, that the gain would not be for us, but would be for kingdom purpose. Number seven, what are we gonna do with what God has given us? What are we gonna do with God, God, what God has given us? I wanna say tonight, don't keep it for yourself. Don't be tempted to take the glory. Don't be tempted. Don't be tempted to think it's all for us. Don't keep God out. 
Let God in. In the area of your gift, in the area of your talent and what God has given you, don't keep God out of your life. See, we can have God in parts of our vineyards and that part's for God and the rest is mine. No, no, no. Don't let the walls and the structures that God has given us separate us from Him. He wants to come in to every part of our lives. Keep God in. Open the gates that the King of glory may come in. Is Jesus gonna come up to our lives and is He gonna say when He comes and returns to our lives, will we have fruit firstly to give Him? Have we done the work? And secondly, will we willingly hand it over to Him? Will we bring a return? I have chosen you that you would bear fruit. Remain in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. This is for my Father's glory. This is for my Father's glory that you would be my disciples. I have appointed you. I have chosen you to what? To bear fruit, to do the will of God. The goal is to do the will of God and the will of God is to bring fruit. What is the fruit? Winning souls. What is the fruit? reaching the lost. What is the fruit? A life of righteousness. What is the fruit? Living for God and not for ourselves. What is the fruit? Letting God into every area of your life. What is the fruit? That the Kingdom of Heaven would be extended in our lives. What is the fruit? That new wine would spring forth from our lives. There would be a richness, a rich deposit of the working of the Holy Spirit that would overflow and bring blessing and bring blessing. In a moment, we're gonna sing this song. It says, I give up my old flames. I give up my old flames to carry new fire. See, sometimes we've gotta give up our way of doing things and the way we see things to start to carry things with a passion that we would be busy in the vineyard that God gives us to produce a return for Him. And that's true passion. That's true joy. That's true life. That's knowing this life is not a drill. It's a test. It's a trust. It's a temporary assignment. And I'm entrusted to bring a return. And so, my friends, are you. It's time to bring forth new wine. Would you stand to your feet? We're gonna sing this song, but I pray it would be your prayer tonight that when the Master comes, you would give Him the fruit of your lives and that God would say, new wine is gonna come out of your life. New wine is gonna come out of your life in Jesus' Name, let's worship. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor Gillian Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at Gillian Cameron.